pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. with you, turn with me to 1 Kings 16, 29 through 33. I'm going to preach a message this morning out of a passage of scripture that has been preached over the centuries, probably millions of times. It's been preached by me several times, but it never ceases to amaze me, no matter how much you think you know, it just shows you how much you don't know. And God just keeps adding revelation and adding knowledge. We see things in familiar scriptures that we've never seen before. And that's what we're going to see this morning. 1 Kings 16, 29 through 33. It says, In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, the son of Omri, became king over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel and Samaria 22 years. That's a pretty good reign for a king. And during this time, the kingdom of Israel was divided. And that's why there were two kings, Asa and Ahab. Asa was the king of Judah. Ahab was the king of Israel. The kingdom was divided because of King Solomon's sins. King Solomon started off on a good foot. But towards the end, he kind of withered out and fell away and actually became a detriment to the kingdom of God. And God promised that he would end his generational rule. And this is where it happens, right here. And so they were divided because of Solomon's sin. And uh, the tribe of Judah, the tribe that Jesus and King David both came from, and the tribe of Benjamin uh, became the kingdom of uh, of Israel, of Judah, and it was called the Southern Kingdom. And then the remaining ten tribes became the Kingdom of Israel, and that was called the Northern Kingdom. So we had the Northern Kingdom and the Southern Kingdom. Division, divided. That's the devil's specialty. He likes to divide mm -hmm. and subtract. But thank God, our God likes to multiply and add. Amen? Yes. Look at verse 30. Now Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. And there was a lot of evil kings that did a lot of wicked and evil things before him. But he took the cake. He did more than all that were before him. And it came to pass as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Naboth, that he took his as his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians. And he went and served Baal and worshipped him. And then he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a wooden image 
And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. Man, I'm telling you, I don't know why anybody would want to provoke God. I don't want to provoke God, amen? But then in the next verse in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1, it says, And Elijah, the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. So Elijah, uh, I'm, I'm sure God told Elijah to do it, but Elijah said, at my word, there'll be no more rain in Israel for these years. But he didn't specify how many years because there was a condition on it. And in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, it's a very familiar verse of scripture. And it says, if my people who are called by my name and will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and then I will heal their land. Well, this was a land that needed to be healed because the sins of Ahab and his fathers before him were finally judged by God. You know, God is patient. Yes. He's long-suffering. He tolerates a whole lot. But then it comes to a time where he has, has to judge what's being done by his people. And as a part of the judgment, God caused uh, Elijah to tell them to withhold the reins from the nation of Israel. And this was both natural and spiritual rain because during this time of famine and drought, God didn't speak to Israel. And sin is also what causes the dry seasons in our lives. And there's only one way to end them. And I just quoted it, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. We have to repent, turn from our wicked ways, seek his face, or get in his presence, and then we'll hear from heaven. He'll forgive our sins, and he'll heal our land. So we just read that King Ahab did more evil in the Lord's eyes and provoked him to more anger than any of the other kings before him. And we're not talking about some heathen king that come out of a heathen nation or a heathen tribe. We're talking about a king of Israel, a king that knew God, but like Solomon, Solomon, he became so deceived that he didn't think anything was wrong with what he was doing. We get to the place where we begin to see evil as good and good as evil. And sometimes we get to the place where we see all evil, all good, and we don't see, really see anything good anymore. And that's the way Solomon became. And he passed it down to the generations till we come to Ahab. And Ahab's sin of rebellion and disobedience caused a drought not only for himself, but also for his entire kingdom. The entire nation of Israel was involved in this drought. And, you know, when there's a drought, there's no fish, there's no planting, there's no harvesting. There, you know, it just destroys everything. And uh, then there comes a famine that follows that because they're not being able to withdraw fish from the rivers and such, and they're not able to grow any food. So they're in a, a, a big famine now, and they don't know how long it's going to last. But if you're in a position of leadership, whether you're the leader of a nation, or you're the leader of a family, or you're the leader of a group, you are responsible 
And, and the decisions that you make affect those that are under you or those that you're in leadership <coughs> over. Yes. Have you been to the gas pumps lately? Have you been to the grocery store? Have you paid a utility bill or ate at a restaurant lately? Have you felt the bite of what they say is 15% inflation, and maybe it is, by the way that they measure, but I know for a fact that just fuel alone went up 49%. And when fuel goes up, everything goes up in proportion to it. So I think that 15% is a very deflated number. But have you ever wondered what caused it? Bad decisions and poor leadership. Yes. That caused it. And the whole country is affected by it because of one person's decision, the person in leadership, the whole country suffers. That's right. This is what we have in Israel. So the same reason the rain was withheld in Israel, bad decisions and poor leadership, is what caused the drought. It was because of the sin of the leadership. Mm -hmm. And the same thing that caused the drought their cause of drought in our lives. I'm trying to be nice here. I'm trying to be careful. I want to stay on the air. But then they cover their sins with lies and propaganda. And if you don't have discernment in the word of God in your heart, you are going to be deceived and you're going to embrace a lie as though it was true. And, and, and not only be deceived, but you get to the place where you actually agree with them. You say, that can't be right. Half the country is in agreement with them. And the deception is so strong that I can show you churches that fell for it hook, line, and sinker. Mm -hmm. Churches that believe there's more than two genders. Churches that believe it's okay to murder babies. They think evil is good. Churches, ah, never mind, you get the picture. Jesus warned us that the deception in the last days would be so strong that even the very elect would be deceived if it were possible. Who's the elect? God's people. Those that are elected by God would be deceived if it were possible. And it's obviously possible because we especially have well-known Christian leaders of large mega churches and denominations that not only support and endorse candidates that are diametrically opposed to the things that God says, but they stand on a platform with them. Lit journalists, so-called journalists, take their pictures. They're not even ashamed of it. If that's not deceived, I don't know what is. God's word is plain. God forbids certain things and allows certain things. And they're allowing things that God forbids. Yes. It's easy to get caught up in sin and eventually come to the place where you actually get used to it. <coughs> we can get used to demon spirits. Get to the place where they don't bother us anymore. They don't even bother our conscience anymore. We used to have a conscience, 
And we used to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm not, I shouldn't be doing this. Something's wrong with this. I got a bad feeling in my stomach. But all that goes away, and then we get to the place where we're palling around with them. Doesn't even bother us anymore. That's deception. We get to the place where we call evil good and good evil just like the world does. We get to the place where we make excuses for and justify the things that we're doing even though we know that they're against the word of God. Even though we know that we're not pleasing God. Ahab disobeyed God's commandment by marrying a woman from a heathen tribe, a heathen nation by the name of Jezebel. And when God tells you not to do something, it's for a reason. And most of the times it's for your own good. God told Israel not to marry or intermingle with heathen nations. But that was number one on their list. Ahab disobeyed God's commandment. And as a result, the whole nation suffered. I think most of you got that. But anyway, Jezebel worshipped a demon by the name of Baal. And because Ahab's weak leadership, the entire nation was led into a recession. I mean, idolatry. And the very elect was deceived, even though they knew better. Ahab was the appointed leader of Israel, so he was responsible for Israel. But he was just a puppet and somebody else was working the strings. Her name was Jezebel. Or we can say a controlling spirit. So I don't care what you call her, the person that's controlling things and controlling the puppet is the one that's in charge. The puppet's on the stage, but you don't see who's manipulating the strings. That's how it was with Jezebel and Ahab. The leader of the nation followed her blindly and everything he was instructed to do. Uh, and there's a controlling Jezebel spirit in the land that's trying to control everything, including the people. Yes. Yes. Ahab and Jezebel turned Israel away from the one true God. That was the biggest sin. Yes. They turned Israel away and began to worship Jezebel's God, demon, by the name of Baal. That's why God said, don't intermingle with the heathen nations. Don't marry them. So Jezebel threw the, king, the power of the king's office and the control that she had on the king orchestrated the murder of hundreds of God's priests and prophets. In other words, she silenced God's voice. And wouldn't let him speak. And then she replaced him with her fake, I mean false prophets of Baal. Replaced God's prophets with false prophets of Baal. Mm -hmm. And we know there was a remnant, but the remnant was silenced. The remnant couldn't speak. The remnant was censored. At least for the time being. And to give you an idea of just how wicked Jezebel was, there was a godly man by the name of Naboth that owned a beautiful vineyard that was close to the kingdom of Ahab. Ahab loved that vineyard 
and he wanted it. And so he tried to purchase it, tried to trade for it, but Naboth said, no, I can't because it's been in my family for generations. I don't want to sell it. So the king was deeply disappointed and he was pouting and moping around the, the castle or the kingdom or whatever and Jezebel sees him moping, moping and pouting and she asked him, what's wrong, honey? And he told her, <laughs> he told her what was wrong and she says, uh, don't worry, mommy will get that vineyard for you. So she formed a committee, I mean, she bribed two men to bear false witness and lie against Naboth, claiming that he came against the, 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 the king's policies and mandates. Even though he didn't, he was accused of it. And before you know it, the Foxtrot Bravo Indio was kicking his door down, dragging him out and arresting him. Had a kangaroo court session Put him in jail and eventually stoned the poor guy for just minding his own business, trying to live. So this gives you an idea of what was going on in their kingdom. Jezebel, through the poor leadership of Ahab and the power of his office, was getting away with murder. So anyway, I know this is not funny, but you don't know what I'm thinking about. <laughs> so anyway, now, about three and a half years has passed. Remember, he said the rain, it won't rain for these years. Well, now we know it's about three and a half years. And, and since Elijah shut up the heavens, and uh, then he comes back. Oh, I hate skipping these things. But anyway, God gives him three and a half years to repent. A little bit more than <laughs> but they didn't repent they got worse so now God sends a prophet to confront them and I'm, I'm so grateful that God gives us space to repent we all need that but you know we can get away with things for a while we can steal another person's country, I mean vineyard, and even enjoy it for a while. But sooner or later, God's going to send a prophet and put his finger in their face and tell them the handwriting's on the wall. Your butt is mine. Amen. But the owner is going to confront them one day and he's going to take back what belongs to him. So God hooks up Elijah with one of the king's own servants. He was a whistleblower by the name of Obadiah. A godly man that hid a lot of God's prophets from Jezebel. She didn't get to these prophets. She didn't kill them. That's the remnant I was talking about. But they were silenced. They were put in a cave. Weren't allowed to speak. But Elijah didn't even know about them. And there's times where we feel alone and deserted, but God also always has a faithful remnant. Mm -hmm. Always. Mm -hmm. We're never alone. But God won't. 
God has a remnant that will not bow to Jezebel or her spirit. Amen. So God told Elijah to arrange a meeting with Ahab. So Obadiah arranges a meeting, and when Elijah confronts the wicked leader by the name of Ahab and confronts his failed policies, the first thing Ahab does is points a finger and blames Elijah. You the one caused all these problems. You the one shut up the heavens. Never mind that it was because of his sin and wickedness and his worship of demons. That's what shut up the heavens, but he said, you the one did it. And then they start pointing fingers and telling and blaming you for everything that they're doing. Mm -hmm. That's right. But Elijah knows better. We know better. <coughs> and he puts the blame right back in Ahab's lap where it belongs. Yes. So Elijah told Ahab he was going to hold a rally. You don't know how <laughs> hard it was to construct this and try to keep it between the lines, but. Elijah told Ahab he's going to hold a rally at Mount Carmel. And he told him to assemble Israel along with the false along with the false prophets. I almost said news for some reason. And the prophets of Asherah. You know, we give a lot of attention to Baal, but Asherah had almost as many prophets. You know, we always say the 450 prophets of Baal, and that's true. There was also 400 prophets of Asherah. 850 prophets. All, so they sat at Jezebel's table, the Bible says, which means she was supporting them. They were on her payroll, and all for the purpose of telling her everything that she wanted to hear. Tickle her ear. Don't tell me something I don't want to hear, because you won't be a prophet anymore. So he said, in essence, that they're going to have a showdown, a debate, if you will. And instead of one of your false prophets, God is going to be the mediator himself for this debate. And we're going to prove once and for all who the real God is here. So God told Israel that this is the day that you're going to make up your minds who you're going to follow. I, uh, and, and I believe it was on a Tuesday. I mean, don't quote me on that, but... If Baal is God, then follow him. If the Lord is God, then follow him. And you know the story. They both built altars. Jezebel's prophets built an altar to Baal. And Elijah to the one and only true God. And Elijah actually reconstructed the old altar that Israel used to sacrifice on uh, until they started following Baal. And then Elijah added 12 large stones to this altar, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. So Elijah is not only getting Israel to repent in this prophet process, but he's uniting them again. Instead of having 10 stones or two stones, he's putting 12 stones together. So the challenge was that the real God would prove himself by answering with a blood red moon, I mean, by answering with fire from heaven. The God who answers by fire, he said, let him be God. 
You know we're supposed to have a blood red moon Tuesday? Isn't that amazing? What a coincidence to have it on the same day of the showdown. Anyway, Elijah let them go first, and they prayed and chanted and cried and begged and cut themselves and danced all over the altar and around the altar, making fools of themselves all day long. But Baal didn't answer. So Elijah mocks them a little bit. He says, call louder. Maybe he's on vacation. Maybe he's in the bathroom. Maybe he's sleeping. But now it's Elijah's turn. And so he has his servants pour four large pots of water on the sacrifice and the altar. And these ain't cooking pots. These are 20 to 30 gallons apiece. And he has them do it four times. That's a lot of water. And, and, and not only that, he even dug a trench around the altar, and the trench filled up with water. The, the sacrifice is wet, the altar is wet, the wood is wet, the trench is filled with water. And then Elijah prayed a simple prayer. He said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Heal me, O Lord, hear me. I'm sorry, hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Amen. You know, 1 John 5, 14 says that this is the confidence that we have that if we pray according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, we know we'll have the petitions that we desire of him. It says right here, he says, at your word, at your will, according to your will, I'm praying this. I know this is what you want to do. God heard him and gave him the petitions that he desired. He didn't chant or cry or beg or cut himself or dance around the altar or any of that stuff. He just looked towards heaven and prayed that simple prayer. And when he did, God answered with lightning so intense that it, it licked up the, the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and all the water in the ditch. That's a hot fire right there. Let the God that answers by fire be God. That was God answering that. Baal was still asleep. Or on the toilet. Or on vacation. So the, eye, the eyes of God's people were opened for the first time in two, I mean, in three and a half years. And they recognized who the true leader of the nation really is. And they began to cry, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Amen. They hadn't said that in years. And Elijah said to his servants, seize the prophets of Baal. I'm sure they did the same thing to the prophets of Asherah. He said, don't let one of them escape. Indict every one of them that tried to destroy this nation and make sure you get them all. Check the basements. 
Check the wood shed. Get them all. So they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon, judged them, and executed them right there. And the Bible says Elijah executed them with the sword, and the whole nation repented. He put the word on them in the form of a sword. So they finally recognized the true Lord of heaven, the one that raised the nation up to begin with. Yeah, the, the one that started the nation. The one that has his name in every founding document, they finally recognized him, yeah. that this is his nation. And he's not going to let it go to hell in a handbasket. I want you to know this morning that it is sin, rebellion, and disobedience that caused the dry seasons in Israel's life. And it's the same thing that will cause the dry seasons in our lives. Yes. And there's only thing, one thing that will end them, if my people mm -hmm. that are called by my name. Yes. That's what restores the rain in our lives. That's what fills the rivers, once again, that will teem with fish. That's what will water the seed that we sow and cause it to grow and bring forth a crop and bring forth a harvest. Yep. Repentance will bring the rain back. And that's what Israel did. They repented. They got back God back into their lives. Israel had three and a half years of drought, three and a half years of famine, Three and a half years without the presence of God or even a word from God. And that's why I said in the beginning that was, it was both a spiritual and a natural. Yeah. Usually that's the way God works. It's spiritual and natural. It's natural that we should get something spiritual out of it. It's spiritual that we should get something natural out of it. But they work together. Yes. But now Elijah hears in his spirit the sound of the abundance of rain. He didn't see it, he didn't smell it, he didn't touch it, he just heard it in his spirit. It wasn't a tangible sound. It wasn't a sound in the natural or in the air, it was in his spirit. Mm -hmm. And he says, I can hear the sound. I know rain is on the way, and it's going to begin in about two days. It's going to be the beginning of rain. I don't know about you, but it's been dry way too long. And I believe it's time. I, I know it's time. I can feel it in my spirit. I can hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Elijah said, I hear something. And you're probably looking around saying, I didn't hear nothing. You hear anything? No. Did you hear anything? No, I didn't hear nothing. No. Just Elijah heard it. He says, I hear a sound. He didn't see anything. He didn't feel anything. The wind wasn't blowing. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. But he heard a sound. And he said it was the abundance of rain. The sound of the abundance of rain. And you know what's so amazing about that? Is God spoke those words. Or Elijah spoke those words. During a time of great famine and drought. It's hard to speak, though. Three and a half years of drought, mm -hmm. famine, mm -hmm. not a word from God, and then all of a sudden you start hearing from God? 
Now Elijah heard from God all the way, all the way through the three and a half years, but Israel didn't. Now they're hearing from God. And he's saying through the prophet, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Hadn't been one drop. No dew, no nothing for almost three and a half years. And now it's good news that the rain is at least in the forecast. Check your spiritual weather channel. See what it's saying about Tuesday. And you know, you can't appreciate the rain, the rain unless you experience the drought. We get nonchalant about things. We get mediocre about things. We get used to things, you know. Uh, we enjoy plenty of rain. We just had a little drought, maybe a month or two. And you see how dry things were. But then the rain came, and it refreshed everything. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to have to cut my grass one more time. I thought I was done with it. But that's what rain does. It brings refreshing. It brings life. It brings growth. And that means there'll be crops again, fishing again, joy again, laughter. How many know we could use some rain? Amen. And I don't know what you believe, but I believe it's getting ready to rain. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we might, we might not be able to see anything right now, but by faith, by the eye of faith, if we listen real close, or the ear of faith, <laughs> if we listen real close, we can hear a sound of the abundance of rain. Amen. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I know the, the, the prophets have been forecasting it for a while, and there was a while there that nobody wanted to believe the prophets. Matter of fact, they were calling them false prophets. They were coming against them. But the people that did just don't understand how prophecy works. It's always conditional. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't always happen when you think it's happening. If they were to say something that somebody's going to be restored or reinstated, or we think it should, well, it never happened. Well, it ain't over yet either. Mm -hmm. We believe things that we're not physically seeing or hearing. That's what, that's what faith does. That's what believers do. But at least now we're beginning to hear something. It's been a long drought. But now we're going to hear something. And what we're going to hear sounds like rain. We may, we may not see it yet, but it's close. And that sound tells us not to give up, not to quit, not to grow weary in well-doing, but to stand strong yeah. and believe in here that the rain is coming. Yeah. God's telling us, hang in there just a little longer because our prayers are going to start getting answered. Yes. Yeah. And there's just something exciting about knowing that it's on the way. You know, when... We had that drought and everything, and even on Chris's land, his pond dried up. And that's where the deer come to drink. That pond was dry as a chip. And then when we heard in the forecast that there was rain coming, they said it won't be much, but it'll be a start. We got excited. Yeah. At least we're going to have a start, mm -hmm. a beginning of rain. Yeah. 
So we may not get a gully washer first thing, but we'll get some rain. We'll get some refreshing. We'll get a touch. But then uh, a few days later, we heard there was in the forecast, now we're talking three quarters to an inch. Now that's some significant rain. That's enough rain to fill that pond back up or get a good start on it. So, you know, it might just a little rain in the beginning, but more rain is coming. Yes. Like they say on Flashpoint, you gotta keep your foot on the gas. There's no time to lit up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> There's a change in the atmosphere. Yes. You know how you can smell rain when it's getting closer? The wind starts picking up? Boy, that's a good feeling. You know, victory is coming. Restoration is coming. Refreshing is coming. Life is going to be in the team again. Joy is coming. And it's going to begin to saturate every it's going to saturate every area that has been affected by yes. the drought. Yes. It's a big area. Mm -hmm. The rain means that God is going to begin to turn things around. Yes. And it's like a big ship. You know, it doesn't turn right away. You, you spin the wheel and you wait for it to come around. So be patient. Stay in faith. The wheel is turning. And it was by faith that Elijah knew the rain was coming. He didn't know for sure. He was believing by faith. God told him, at your word, the rain will stop, and at your word, it will begin again. So Elijah spoke the word. Now he's got to stand on it. And after he did, he could do... Anyway, after he spoke it, he could do well he knew it would begin on Tuesday he went to the top of Mount Carmel looked out over the Mediterranean Sea and he began to pray now in this passage of scripture the sea represents the word of God so he's looking to the word of God because that's all he had that's what God told him that's your word amen so he knew it was no time to rest on his laurels or his past accomplishments and his past achievements. It was not time to rest. It was time to get down and get it done. And when you've done all the stand, stand there for. So what does that mean? Get in prayer. Yes. Now it's time to pray through. Yes. So when you've done all that God told you to do, then it's time to pray. You've done your part. You spoke the word. You believed the word. You stood in the dry times. And now it's time to pray. Pray it through. And let God finish what we could never do. Now God did all this through Elijah. But he could do it through anybody. It doesn't have to be a particular individual. It may be. I believe it's going to be. Mm -hmm. I believe he's called and anointed. But we don't focus on him. We focus on God. So if God chooses to do something else with somebody else, we're not going to be surprised. Because the end result is going to be the same. But I think it's going to be through this one guy. 
You know, for every healing, every miracle, every deliverance, every breakthrough, every prodigal son that ever came home, yeah. there was somebody praying. Because right. it don't happen without prayer. That's right. Somebody had to pray. Elijah proclaimed by faith that the rain was coming. It was on the way, but he didn't have any outward signs. And this is where you lose people. Elijah said it's going to rain. I don't see no rain. You see any rain? There ain't even a cloud in the sky. It ain't raining in three and a half hours, three and a half years. Now you're saying it's going to rain? Uh, I'll hang in there with you for a day or two. But if I don't see any rain by Tuesday, that's it. I'm out of here. No, you stay with it till it happens. So Elijah goes up on Mount Carmel and he Bible says he put his head between his legs and he began to pray. And then he sent his servant to look for an answer. Look out over the sea. Look in the word for an answer. Come on, don't tell me you never prayed and looked. You pray for healing and you look for the symptoms to disappear. You pray for a financial break breakthrough and you look for the mailbox and the mailman to come. I don't care what you pray for, you look. Amen. So Elijah prayed and he sent his servant to look. I don't know if that's a good idea, but anyway, it worked for him. We've been praying for a while now, and I believe in a couple of days we're going to be looking. We might not be able to see it all on Tuesday night, but we're going to be looking. Yes. And there's times when we pray and look and don't see anything. But it's not so much what you see in the natural, it's what you perceive in your spirit, what you see in your spirit. And this is where you do exactly what Elijah did. You just keep praying. And then he said, you're not moved by what you see. You're not moved by what you hear. You're moved only by faith, by the word of God. So then he sends his servant back to the sea to look. And while the servant's running back and forth, Elijah just keeps praying. And I'm going to tell you something. When you have a word from God, that's all you need. You just have to keep on praying until it comes to pass. If God said it, he shall surely bring it to pass. And pray in tongues. Praying in tongues is such a powerful, powerful weapon. And you know why? Because the devil can't understand it. And he can't get out in front of you. Because he don't know what you're praying. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's between you and God and the devil won't be able to figure out what, what the plan is. I wish I knew what he was praying. I wish I knew what direction he was going. I wish I knew what he was believing for. No. You ain't going to know nothing, devil. No. I'm praying strategies with my God. You know, the Holy Ghost is interceding with us when we pray. And when we pray in tongues, we're praying the perfect will of God. We're planning strategies in the spirit, but the devil don't know what they are. So keep on praying, keep on praising, keep on confessing, keep on believing, keep on singing and dancing, keep on looking to the sea.
Never let the devil see you sweat. Habakkuk 2.3 says, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. Numbers 3.19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, he will do it, and if he hath spoken it, he will bring it to pass. That's all we need to know. Elijah's still praying, but Elijah's servant keeps bringing back one negative report after another. And how many negative reports have we heard? But if we don't quit, he's going to come back with the right report. Elijah don't give up. He just keeps praying. Go back to the sea and look again. And, and I, the reason I say it's the, it represents the word of God is because the, the word of God is where his promises come from. Yes. If you can find it in the word, you can claim it. It's yours. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. So Elijah don't give up, he just keeps praying. Go back and look again. So spend some more time in the word. Spend some more time in the spirit. Finally, on the seventh time, praise God. I don't know how long all this took, but after the, at the seventh time, the time of completion and perfection, the servant comes back with a good report. He says, behold, there arises a little cloud out of the sea about the size of a man's hand. That ain't much. That's just a little word. But that little word came up out of the big word. Yeah. So we have the logos, which is the spoken word, but then there's a word that comes from the word. It's called a revelation. It's called a rhema word. A specific word for a specific purpose, for a specific season, and this is what we need, a rhema word. A word that comes directly from God. And I believe he's going to speak loud and clear yes. in a couple days. God told Elijah that it would rain again at his word. What if Elijah never spoke it? That's right. It wouldn't have rained. But this shows us the power in the spoken word. If it worked for a nation, it will certainly work for you when you speak it. I don't know about you, but the only thing got me and Pastor Ed through these last couple of years is we had a word from God. When we went through our biggest trial here six or so months ago, uh, when everything looked hopeless, the first thing we got was a word from God. And that changed everything. And we clung to that word. We held on to that word. Even when it didn't look like it was going to come to pass, we hung on to that word. And it eventually come to pass. We kept praying and looking. Praying and looking. So when you have a word from God, you can make it through any storm. You can dance in the fiery furnace. You can sleep in a lion's den. You can make it through anything. When you got a word from God, you can beat the famine. You can sow in the time of famine and reap in the time of famine. When nobody else is Crops are, are springing up. Yours are. Yes. When you got a word from God, you can make it on a little meal and a little cruise of oil. 
Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm running over. Oh, well, I forgot the clock wasn't set back yet. I said, man, I'm really running over. It's one o'clock. <laughs> Matthew, I'm going to deduct from your salary. You're supposed to turn the clock back. Anyway, Elijah's servant saw a little cloud the size of a man's hand. Didn't look like much, but as Elijah grabbed a hold of it, and in his spirit, by faith, that little cloud looked like a major storm to him. So he's, he's seeing something other than what he's believing. Or he's believing something other than what he's seeing. But the important thing is what you're believing God for. If God give you a little, he'll give you abundance. So don't settle. Somebody would settle for the hand. Somebody would settle for the little cloud. But Elijah said, no way. He just kept praying and believing. So I, I believe we're going to see a small cloud in a couple days. I, I hear it. I smell it. But we're going to see a small cloud in a couple days. But we don't settle for that. We don't quit with the small cloud. We keep believing for the storm. The rainstorm. A major storm. And I don't care how big the problem is or how much damage has been done. One move from God's hand yes. will destroy every yoke, set us all free, and restore everything that we've lost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Elijah heard the sound first. He spoke it with his mouth. He prayed until he saw it with his eye. He heard, he spoke, he prayed, he saw. That's how it works. I believe we're going to see some rain. I'm getting a little excited inside here. Hallelujah. I'm going to quit here. We, we have communion today too. but Let's just pray for the rain. Hallelujah. Join with me, will you? Father, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin and for the sanctification and the washing of water by the word, Lord, that we can come boldly before your throne of grace now and, 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 and obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. God, this country is in need right now. So we're coming boldly before your throne of grace because you told us to come boldly. So we approach your throne, God, with this need. We need some rain in this land, Lord. You said, ask you therefore rain in the time of the latter rain, and the Lord will make bright clouds. Lord, we want some bright clouds coming up here in a day or two. Bright clouds, Lord, that will give us rain. Even rain in the time of the latter rain. We'll have rain on top of rain, Lord. And we look forward to a time of refreshing, a time where things are restored and life comes back into this nation and into this country, Lord. Things begin to teem again with life. The rivers begin to flow. The cargo begins to flow. Everything begins to flow, God, just like it was before. God, we know this is your land. This is your country. This is the home 
of the free and the land of the free and the home of the brave. But this is your country. You raised it up, God, and we know that you're not going to let it go. We're trusting in you, Lord, to send the rain. So send the rain, Lord. Let it begin as a small hand. We don't care. We're going to keep praying and we're going to keep believing until we have a gully washer, until it's just raining and, and droves got a, a deluge of rain. We not only need physical rain, but we, we pray for spiritual rain. Let it rain, Lord. Let it rain. Let the Spirit of God rain. Lord, the, the Spirit of God reigned in the book of Acts. He came in like a rushing mighty wind. And cloven tongues of fire sat upon each and every one of them. They were all filled with the Spirit. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Lord, that was a reign of the Spirit. We want the Spirit to reign on us, Lord. Refresh us. Revive us. Bring life back into this church, God. Bring life back into your people. God, we're looking forward to it. We got your word on it. We know. We know. Now we're speaking your word. We're speaking your word. This wasn't our idea. This wasn't our word. You wrote it, God. This is your word. And we're just speaking. We're just repeating what you said. And you said you'd give us rain. Hallelujah. It's time for the rain, Lord. It's been a long enough drought. Let the rain begin to fall. Thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. How many is believing for rain? Yes. Rain, rain, rain. Keep praying. Don't quit praying. Not till you see the rain. And then pray for more. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.